when your well-being, when your mind or when your attitude is completely dependent on your partner, if your state of being is so directly tied to someone else's state of being, man, that's a scary place for you to live in because now all of your power is outsourced to all of these other entities, other selves, if you will. And it feels like this place of victimhood where it's like, I can't control my own life. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Way she moves, she's got me something now I don't know. She's got me. What? We're recording. Wow. <laughs> Hello, lovers. Welcome back to the medicine. What is up, people? We are so grateful that you are joining us under the red hat today. We have an awesome episode planned today talking about getting into the ways, five ways specifically, that you can shift <laughs> negative energy in relationship. I almost thought you were going to say shit. That you can shit. But we don't want to do that. We don't. Um, yeah, we are taking um, some do's and don'ts of relationship advice, things that are just floating out there that we've um, picked up from different teachers and different people in the space. That are, it's, it's good advice, but we really want to kind of um, present it in a way, frame it in a way that's positive, almost in this, you're going to hear this word a lot, alchemizing. Mm -hmm. So shifting, yes, but we're actually alchemizing, which is a whole nother thing where we're transmuting and creating a different organism than what was there before. So uh, this term alchemize is, is going to come up a lot. We learned it at Hogwarts <laughs> and it's been pretty impactful. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, a ton of love to the people out there who we follow. Um, most of this is coming from like Instagram, but it seems like in the last month or so, we've had a lot of um, these types of discussions from people like Nicole, the holistic psychologist, uh, Mark Groves from Create the Love. Um, I think it's Mark Groves. Mark Manson, mm -hmm. um, who who also is kind of in the relationship space, John Wineland, and we're getting a lot of these types Allison of Armstrong. Allison Armstrong, this, these bits of information on kind of like do's and don'ts. And so we've kind of smashed a bunch of them together, put our own kind of like lens, mm -hmm. uh, our own like injection of personality into injection these, Injection of you woo will. woo. Yeah. And, and decided to kind of make our own like, hey, here's some general watch out for these types of things in relationship and then how you can, which is kind of making it our own and unique pivot this into something that is actually an opportunity, yeah. a catalyst, if you will, for yeah. growth. I think that that's something that's really uh, common in relationship as we're on this path of evolvement. If you're in partnership with someone um, is once we become conscious of the thing not to do, it's like, okay, I know what not to do, but 
but now what? What do I actually do that's positively oriented that now can, you know, um, speed up this trajectory of, you know, relationship involvement? Like, what do I actually do instead? Yeah. So we're going to be talking all about that today. But first, I want to know what is in your cup, what my love. What is in my cup today on this summer morning? I, a couple months ago, started speaking a little bit about kava and kratom. And they are two botanicals. <laughs> you liked that. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them comes from uh, the root of... Uh, the kava plant, I believe, and another one comes from the leaf of the kratom plant. And both of them have this kind of euphoric type uh, effect, mm -hmm. uh, historically used for anti-anxiety, um, uh, really I helping think. with depression. I think actually people who have had addictions to you know, alcohol all the way to as severe as like opioids, um, it has really helped with kind of like easing off of those types of mm -hmm. behavioral patterns, chemical addicting um, type, you know, substances, et cetera, et cetera. And so we actually were able to experience this little, uh, this brand called Botanic Tonics that makes a product called Feel Free in about a two ounce little um, tincture here mm -hmm. uh, that you can chug and it gives you a really, really sweet buzz. Yeah, it's like the size of a, like a five hour energy. It is. And it's actually not buzzed like mm -hmm. you would with alcohol. Uh, the term is actually blissed mm -hmm. because you get this kind of euphoric feeling yeah. from it. And so if you are someone who really does like the social um, element of like what alcohol can do to you, maybe a hit of a little bit of cannabis, uh, just to take the edge off a little bit, a little bit of a buzz, you, you're someone who's in that space, but you're tired of maybe hangovers, mm -hmm. maybe some of the wasted empty calories that are coming in from a lot of these types of substances yeah. or even like the munchies when you smoke weed. Yeah. And I know a lot of people in, in our listenership, people who, who follow us, whatever they know that, uh, or, or they're working on, um, healing their body. And I got to this place, you got to this place. I'll speak for myself though, where I got to the point where alcohol just didn't feel um, kind to my body anymore. I wasn't judging it. I was, I'm not, I don't judge anyone else, but, um, it didn't feel in alignment with this trajectory of healing that I was trying to get on for, for yeah. my body. And some of the physical manifestations that were coming out of my body, it was just like, I don't think alcohol is helping me. Right. So I, I've been taking this for over two months at this point, not consistently, you know, once or twice a week. And it helps with focus it really does give kind of this euphoric bliss type feeling. I drink about half of the tonic and then the other half, if I really feel like it, I'll drink an mm -hmm. hour or so later Yeah, and it makes me feel great. Um, so if you're interested, we actually, now that I've been able to test this thing and put it into my body for, you know, over two months and, and it really uh, seems awesome, actually did get a discount code for anybody who's interested. We'll drop it in the show notes. Uh, the code specifically is the medicine dash 20 mm -hmm. should give you 20% off. Mm -hmm. um, so check it out. If you're into it, uh, just a little bit of info. It doesn't taste great. Uh, you haven't yeah. quite cracked the code on not how awful, this can not taste great, yeah. delicious. It's got, you know, besides just the Kratom and the Kava, it does have a little bit of uh, coconut, pineapple, natural um, flavor in it, as well as a little bit of stevia. So that definitely helps with, mm -hmm. The taste, it's a little yeah. bit like a black licorice taste. 
Um, a little yeah. chalky. It's very medicinal, planty, chalky. I, um, one thing I found, because I've loved using them too, is if you pour it into a glass, it's much easier to take down versus out of the little tiny opening that is the, the tiny bottle. Yeah. And so we actually were just hanging out with our friend Mark, creator of After School, and he is similar to us where he's just a little burnt out on, on you know, alcohol and not totally on board with kind of the toxicity of it and not mm-hmm. comfortable with that. And we gave him one of these <clears> to try and he, he literally said like, wow, I feel euphoric. Yeah. And um, so it's a, it's a fun little tonic. I'll note one little caveat or disclaimer is um, Kratom specifically has, a am using air quotes, addictive qualities to the tune of like what caffeine mm-hmm. or like a green tea level caffeine would be considered addicting to where your body just likes it. Are you going to burn the city down to get the last <laughs> drop of Kratom? No. Probably not with the level of addictive quality that's in this. Um, but just know that there is. Uh, yeah. it, with, with, with what comes with Kratom is a little bit of this like, that felt pretty freaking good. Yeah. And I would say also um, check the medicine cabinet. We don't have it in there at the time of this recording, but we will very soon. So probably by the time you're listening, it'll be in there. That is getmimifit.com slash the medicine cabinet. Boom. All right. What, my love, is in your cup today? In my medicine, let's get mushy cup, mug, if you will, I have a very just pure mushroom elixir. I didn't get too crazy, but it tastes so freaking good. I swear King Coffee and Organifi Gold were made to have the uh, delicious pleasure baby that is in my mouth Mm. when I drink it. (laughs) So what I have is King Coffee. Y'all know I love my King Coffee. So does Chase. Um, And I also have about a third to about a half a scoop of Organifi Gold in there. And um, just a little bit of a an almond and coconut type creamer. It's like a organic whatever creamer. And um, pour hot water over that and blend it all up with our little hand mixer. And it is so divinely delicious. Mm. The, the gold really gives it, if you haven't tried it in your coffee yet, if you like a little bit of fluff in your coffee, if you like your coffee black, maybe don't worry about it. But if you do like a little bit of flavor, instead of adding things that are like syrups and unknown ingredients and and things that are just not great in your body over time, um, adding something like the Organifi Gold is so delicious and it's not going to set you back on your healing journey. In fact, it will only help because it is packed with turkey tail, which is great for the immune system, and also the queen of mushrooms, that is reishi, and also a, a bunch of other great um, ingredients in the Organifi Gold that gives this this sort of like golden cupcake, slightly sweet, slightly spiced gingerbread. It's so hard to explain, I, but it's delicious. I always delicious. say it's like a, roast, like a roasted marshmallow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And this little combo is good hot, and it's good cold mm-hmm. with, with iced coffee, and yeah. you're right. It is a good pleasure, baby. <laughs> or, if you will, it's a great pleasure, baby. <laughs> yeah. Thank it? you. Depending on where you put the comma, right? right. <laughs> I thought I, pretty good about it. I'm going to save that what one you did for there. a few minutes. So. <laughs> I could tell. And actually, with uh, gold specifically, what we want to do with this episode is we want to do a little gold giveaway. Yeah. So, you have to stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Until the end of the episode. Yep. We're going to list out some of the specifics on how you can get yourself... Uh, entered into a free gold giveaway. 
Get that pleasure, baby. Mm, let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the five ways to shift, a.k.a. alchemize negative energy into something positive in your relationship. You want to start it off? Number one, stop keeping score. Oof. Such a good one. You're not in relationship going to be given or having taken away house points. Dumbledore is not walking around saying 10 points for Gryffindor. And what I mean here is if you are consistently tracking the wins or losses, the pros or the cons of yourself or your partner, it is ultimately going to lead to an accumulating volcano yeah. of frustration. You're going to be consistently, daily disappointed. So what do we mean by this? Like keeping score, literally, practically. Yeah, for all the non-HP Harry Potter fans out there. I think it's pretty common. We have felt it in our part one relationship. And to a certain degree, I'm sure it comes up on occasion even now. This idea of, well, she didn't do this for me. Therefore, I'm not going to do this for her. Mm -hmm. Or, and that's a little more of, there, there's kind of two ways that this manifests. I think there's a silent version and then there's a, a, a non-silent version, like a verbal version. The silent version for me, I think really happens when you observe something that you expect your partner to be doing for you and they do not actually do it. You keep a little tally in your head that they didn't do that thing for you. Mm -hmm. And then you walk into another moment in your life where there's a, either some level of like agreement that you usually provide something for that person or... You have an opportunity to do something for that person and you choose not to. Because of this ammo that you're keeping in the back of your mind. Exactly. You know, an example that is goofy but is real yeah. is if the the toilet paper was not on <laughs> the the rack. Like if I left it empty. If you left it empty when I went to take a poop <laughs> and I was like, what in the fuck? We've talked about this. <laughs> I might, next time I'm thinking about where to put my socks... Drop them on the floor instead of the hamper. Yeah. That's a really dumb example, but I think this plays out a lot. It does. And this is the kind of the silent version. And these are little paper cuts to the soul that is your relationship. There's also a little more serious version of this. I think this happens a lot with like in-laws uh, or, or extended family dynamics. Um, for example, say... Your significant other does not go to your parents' house for dinner with you because they're maybe they're busy, maybe they're choosing not to, maybe they have something else going on. In your mind, you're saying, well, they didn't do this for me. They didn't do this for my family. Mm -hmm. And so the next time potentially a family event occurs where it's their parents or their sister, brother, extended family, and you're like, you know what? You owe me one. I get to sit this one out. Mm -hmm. I think that's played out in our relationship whether that be through Certainly. holiday visiting we're keeping this sort of tally this score mm -hmm. of whose turn um and sometimes that is like just practical um with the in-laws and stuff like taking sure. turns at christmas and stuff it's like we're not putting that necessarily down these are just two examples you know very sort of simple and practical examples but there are unending opportunities in relationship for these little tallies and scores and everyone that's listening that has had a partnership knows exactly what we're talking about right now. And, and so oftentimes these things are happening pretty silently or maybe they're dormant. Mm 
mm-hmm. but it's brewing. It's a volcano that's brewing. And then that volcano explodes when you actually walk into legitimate argument mm-hmm. or a moment of outburst where both of you literally pull out the stat sheet yeah. and you say, I'm up 30 points. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, you owe me. Yeah. And it could be something that's totally unrelated. Maybe you're having an Completely argument unrelated. about, um, you know, money or something like that. And then something from four weeks ago that you did that I never said, we never talked about, but I kept it in my mind as ammo. I'm going to bring it up now to sort of get my gang together of ammo behind me um, to basically justify how I'm feeling in this moment and to kind of give me some momentum and some gusto in this argument to put you more in the wrong, even though it has nothing to do with the actual topic of discussion or argument, which is money. Right. Just an example. But I think that that's when it can get really, really heated. And it also leaves your partner, especially if this is coming coming towards a man, really, really any, any direction. But um, it can leave your partner feeling like, whoa, where did that come from? This is not what we're talking about. Like, why did you even bring that up? And then there can be even argument based on that. So right. it's just like if things just amplify. Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Don't keep score. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, oh, hey, how do you how do you transmute this? How do you alchemize this? Don't keep score. Yeah. And that's that's pretty blunt and straightforward. But what I'm going to suggest is actually a reframe in your thinking. Okay. And asking yourself this question as you start to feel yourself potentially keeping score in your relationship. And that's the reframe of what would love do? This relationship is based on love. It should be. That's kind of the intention. What is love? Okay. Love is abundant. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible, you know, for whatever it's worth, (laughs) uh, says love should keep no record of wrong. This is one area where I think it, it pretty really good. It's got, a nice little verse. Love is yeah, patient. It's kind. It, right. uh, it, it does not envy. doesn't boast. Keeps no record of yeah. wrong. It's tried. It's true. Um, that is an incredible verse. And I don't actually know um, the citing of it. But if this is really about love, what is love? It's abundant. It keeps no record of it's, wrong. As according to Paul Cech, it's empathic and compassionate flow of energy and information to self or other it's not about whose turn it is based on the score or the cadence with which you are tracking um we have to actually become love yes we have to real realize mm-hmm. we are love we are um, already in order to embody it in a relationship mm-hmm. so simply put stop keeping score um but to do that is a simple reframe uh maybe just a question and a meditation on what is love? What yeah. would love do now? Right. Right. And I think that this is something that I also dealt with in a different way in part one. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, it can also be the reverse where you do something for your partner as a one up. Like I did this for you, um, not from love, but from this, like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep track and, um, bring it up next time you get mad at me. Well, it's like, well, I did this for you last week. And, specifically how it's changed for me is, you know, say something like even just picking up the, picking up the room or picking up the bedroom. Sometimes you get so busy, you literally take off your clothes for a shower and they're on the floor for two weeks. Previously in part one, I would pick them up, put them in the laundry, do the laundry. And the whole time I would be feeling like 
I was your mother because I'm putting myself in that frequency. You're not the one putting me in the frequency. You're not telling me to do it. I am choosing to pick up your stuff and go, fuck, why can't he just pick up his own stuff? And now I don't do anything for you unless in my being, which only I know, unless it feels like a gift from me. And not because you need it from me. You can take care of yourself. You're a big boy. But if I know like, hey, this would be really helpful if I did the laundry today and I'm just going to grab, you know, his items and see what he needs done, how I can help the relationship and how can I maybe take 1% of stress off of his plate. That's a gift. And I don't do the thing unless I'm coming from that frequency. So I don't feel like your mother. I feel like your partner. Perfectly put. And it'll play pretty nicely into some of the others that we have here. All right. Holla. Number two. Let's go. Your relationship is not a riddle. <laughs> this one I feel like is, is I feel like it could be really um, targeted. I don't know the word, but we're, we're talking about women. passive aggressiveness. Yeah, passive aggressive. Stop with the hot and cold game. What do you mean by hot and cold game? Or even, even hints that could elicit a response. So by Indirect communication, which passive aggressiveness really is cutting to the core of, we're, by giving off coldness or even kind of hotness to a certain degree in your energy, um, in your behaviors, in your action without just directly addressing someone with words um, or direct emotion, authentic emotion, you're leaving breadcrumbs for them to pick up on the fact that you are fill in the blank unhappy, um, need to talk about something, tired and need help, uh, bored in the relationship, wanting more, you know, the list goes on and on and on. There is something that you are not quite satisfied with. Mm -hmm. And instead of directly setting a container and having a communication over that particular issue, you'd rather they figure it out themselves because they should be picking up on this. Like a riddle. Right. And so the idea is like, your relationship is not, especially in communication, is not a scavenger hunt. If relationship was really about relationship wellness, I mean, that's kind of what, what the goal would you would mm-hmm. think it should be. If that's what you really want, do you think that by making your partner learn a lesson or potentially feel punished or make themselves feel bad that that's actually going to contribute to relationship wellness. Mm-hmm. It's not. I think we've all been there, whether that's been in friendship, whether that's been a relationship yeah. with a parent or even a romantic relationship. This sort of like punishment via mm-hmm. not directly communicating about something really, really does impact the relationship negatively. And I think, you know, this most dominantly shows up as the silent treatment. Yeah, I think that's a really big one. And I can speak directly to that because before I really developed healthy communication tools, um, we were not taught any of this, any of, and I'll back up in, in part one and part, uh, in our dating relationship, we didn't have a lot of fights because we were such buds. We were, we were best friends and we loved each other deeply and we were both like emotionally mature So there weren't a lot of fights that came up when we did have arguments, though, it would um, sort of pan out to me feeling hurt in some way and 
I would want you to figure it out. I wouldn't speak to you directly because I didn't, I I was like afraid of bringing up confrontation. I was afraid ultimately of this confrontation because I didn't want to feel that anger from you. And so I would avoid it. And so what that was, was coldness. It was silence. It was, I would say in my head, um, he needs to figure it out. But when you would speak to me, I would be like, oh, oh, I'm fine. It's fine. Yeah. So like limited actual verbal communication. Yeah. I think, uh, a lack of physical affection or, sh- yeah. or just not showing physical affection at all. I think all. that's something. Or that like be feeling, acting repulsed if, if your partner was to touch you another way. Yeah. I think withholding sex and affection is another way that, that um, I think people, I'll say I won't dwindle it down or reduce it down to just women, but I think the, the act of withholding sex as a punishment is really, really common too. Yeah. And I think for guys, um, it's less the silent treatment, although it can be. And I think it kind of takes shape in a weird way. Uh, I know I've felt myself or observed others where they might actually, instead of directly addressing the issue at hand, they might put that energy into doing something completely out of the ordinary so that their partner will pick up on the fact that like something is different. Uh, I think even goofy, like doing the dishes or doing the laundry when you usually don't do any of the laundry or vacuuming or hyper-focusing on a task or a chore is a way that guys like, I'm upset. I'm going to put all this energy into something and maybe she'll pick up on the fact and and figure out that she's pissing me off because (laughs) I'm so out of the ordinary. Yeah. Or they might even just like, you're going to have to take this hint where I'm going to, I'm going to go golfing for the entire day. And not yeah. be accountable. Not text you back way. all day or whatever. Right. And it's like, and this actually goes back to the scorekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the in the man's mind, he might feel justified in not responding to her all day because she didn't do something last week. And so it's, it's a, they're totally related. Yeah. One of the best decisions I ever made for my overall health was getting completely off moldy coffee. If you are on a mission to get to the bottom of mystery symptoms and feel your best in life, this is something you need to know about. I have now lost count of the hundreds of people who tell me they have given up on coffee and caffeine, not because they wanted to, but because they thought they had to, because every time they drink it, they feel shaky, anxious, brain foggy, have skin reactions, or digestive issues. I then explained to them that, my love, you are more likely having a reaction to the mold and pesticides in your coffee, not the caffeine. The sad and shocking reality is that up to 91% of coffee beans used in America are contaminated with mold, not to mention the 42 different chemicals and pesticides sprayed on most coffee beans before they are even harvested. So if you have persistent, unexplained brain fog, sore joints, fatigue, immune issues, or other mystery symptoms, it could be from moldy coffee you are unknowingly pouring into your precious body every day. No pill, no potion is going to help us feel better if we don't first remove the negative stimulus, like the moldy coffee. Here's the great news. If you love coffee, you don't have to give it up. Every day I drink delicious, mold-free, pesticide-free coffee that supports my overall health in the best way. It's my Reishi King Coffee. King Coffee is organic coffee mixed with the spores from Reishi mushrooms. 
This unique and potent combination allows me to enjoy coffee while also supporting my hormones, my immune health, my nervous system, my digestion, my mood, my stress levels, and so much more. If King Coffee was a pop star, she would absolutely be Beyonce potent and divine. If you love coffee, I invite you to ditch the mold and try King Coffee for yourself. It was one of the best decisions I ever made for my health. I can't and won't go back. To learn more about what makes reishi spores and king coffee so unique, you can check out episode number six of this podcast. And to grab your king coffee, do not buy on Amazon. That is illegal and expired product. Instead, go to themedicine.myorganogold.com and search for King Coffee. You can also just check the show notes or my Instagram bio for a direct link. Bringing you only the best and only what I'm obsessed with. Cheers, boo. So, how do we alchemize this? All right, well... We've talked about it before, but this is an incredible tool for when something is on your mind, when you have something that is bubbling (laughs) under the surface, and maybe you don't have the communication tools in the moment to to lay it out there in a healthy way. This tool of a check-in is really, really helpful for couples. And we have talked about them before. We've used them plenty in the past, not so much now, just because as you evolve in your partnership, this comes up less and less. So I I do want to explain just a little bit on the check-in, but if you want to hear the full in-depth Um, explanation of how this goes back and forth because it is a longer explanation check out episode 61 of our podcast Um, it's uh, five tools for relationship so but very quickly basically the the thought behind a check-in is that you make an appointment with the person meaning and that sounds really official but it just means that you don't come at them in the middle of their workday when they're like unarmed and they're like not even aware that something is going on. You make a check-in from a balanced and calm state. Just being like, hey, I'd love to um, have a check-in with you. You can use that verbiage or you can say like, I'd, I'd just like to, um, you know, uh, I have something on my mind and I would love to talk to you. When is a good time for you? Maybe it's that night or whatever. So you come to some agreement. You're basically making an appointment like you would for the dentist. You're both calm. You're both like, all right, let's talk about something. So then once you get it into that state, you're the, the driving feeling behind everything that you're sharing is love. It has to be. That is the whole point. So and safety, right? Safety, love only for the purpose of evolving this relationship, this partnership. So then this, uh, there is an exchange of back and forth, something that I'm doing well, something that you're doing well. And then the other person goes, and then something that I want to work on and something that I could use more of from you. And then the other person goes, you give each other space and container to share not only what is on your mind, what you need more of, what you're not getting, Um, But also the good, because we want to focus on the good that your partner, we want to focus on first what your partner is doing, because guaranteed they are. If they love you, they want to love you well, there is inevitably going to be places and areas that feel like blind spots in your relationship. And those are catalysts for growth. And it changes your vibe when you take time, even in confrontation and even in challenging conversation, especially with a significant other by 
acknowledging and letting your body experience the frequency or the vibration of love and gratitude, you will call into your life more of that and potentially call more of that from your partner into your life. At the minimum, you're disarming Mm -hmm. for the potentially more difficult conversation you're about to have to have. Yeah. And the first time you do it, the first time you do the check-in, it might be clunky. It might feel weird if you've never done this sort of thing before. If you've only had heated arguments, this could be something that you need to practice. Maybe you schedule it every week if you need to. Maybe it's every other week. Maybe it's every month. Get in the cadence that works for you and your relationship and where you're at. Um, But just know that it gets easier and it basically primes your nervous system to share your thoughts and feelings in a safe way, in a way that your partner will hear out of love, which is ultimately the point of having heated or whatever arguments is to grow and to expand. If you're just, if you're just having heated arguments so that you can feel some sort of passion, that's really, really, it's good information, but it's, it's something that can show you like, wow, we're really out of balance because the only time that I feel passion is when we're yelling at each other. Totally. So check in and um, to get that full explanation, remember, listen to episode 61. Let's go. All right. Number three. Your partner is not your hostage. (laughs) What do we mean by this? I love this one. These are a couple absolute no-nos from our perspective in relationship. Yep. Threats and slander, name-calling, should be off-limits, even if they are not really serious or they're done Mm -hmm. in a kind of joking manner to begin with. Yeah. Do not make threats in a relationship. It is an absolute no-no. I think it's one of those that you just agree to not Mm -hmm. ever put the future of your relationship or or the threat of breakup divorce yeah leaving on the table mm-hmm. in casual conversation in the heat of an argument yeah just ever it can be i think blatant it can be if you do this we're done that's blatant that's blunt or it could also be very subtle like one example that i heard that's a great example is I can't be with someone that is this cold all the time. Instead of saying what I'm feeling is coldness from you and, and, you know, let's get to the bottom of this sort of in a check-in sort of way saying I can't be with someone. That means you're being cold and I don't want to be with you. I think what's used often is I can't do this. Yeah. I just can't do this. And what does that mean in the moment? Does this mean the whole relationship? What does that mean? It's very vague and sort of scary for the, the person on the other end, totally. which is intentional by the person who's saying it. Either it, it's, it's either conscious or kind of a subconscious, uh, desperate attempt to feel desired or to yes. feel loved or to elicit yeah. a response from the significant other. And I realize there's a lot of things that have probably led up to this moment of making that comment, mm-hmm. but for the sake of the sacredness of the relationship, yeah, avoid. You're basically doing something, saying something to elicit a response from your partner that feels like, no, 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 I can't lose you. You want to feel that. We all want to feel that in a relationship. We want to feel like my partner loves and and needs me. And that's, that's a really good feeling. But when you're (laughs) grab, when you're grasping at it in a way of a threat or even a subtle, like, I can't do this anymore. And I, 
I do want to clarify though that if you need to have a define the relationship conversation, sure. if you need to have a conversation along the lines of I'm I'm really questioning the longevity of this or whether or not we need to take a break, yeah. divorce, those are real conversations that have to happen. But this is beautifully on the on the um, follow up to what we previously discussed about setting a container and having this check in, save those conversations for those safe moments mm -hmm. where you can combine your kind of like disarmed state to have a real conversation about the relationship that is trying to remove as much negative emotion as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think, I think that that's great because we're not saying don't have hard conversations with someone that you don't know that you should be with. If you're truly like, you know, I, I don't think this relationship is serving me anymore. There's other ways to say it. Yeah. Um, and, and really I think it is important to evaluate like, is this relationship the best thing for me? And this is different though. I think people can see the distinction between knowing that you love the person and threatening them because you want to elicit a response yeah. versus, you know what, in a balanced state, I've been thinking lately, this isn't a great, you know, environment for me to be in. And I want to, you know, separate myself from this person is different. When you are emotional and angry, and making threats, you're treating your partner like a hostage. And that's mm -hmm. what we mean by this number three, they're yeah. not your hostage. I think the other piece to that is slander. Don't use shitty names <laughs> for your significant other. Like the B word, the C word, <laughs> the D word. Yeah. <laughs> These are not to be used even lightly. If you get yourself into a habit of even jokingly Mm -hmm. referring to th your beloved as, hey, stop being such a dick. Or, yeah. boy, you're kind of a bitch right now. Which seem really kind of like, okay. If they were like done in a joking way, some people could argue that it's like, oh, that's just that's just how we are. It's it just fun. It starts to just needle away. Again, it's a paper cut. Yeah. They're paper cuts. And for the love of God, in the heat of battle, <laughs> yes, do not use harsh names that doesn't have to be curse words it can be it can even be pulling in let's say uh, uh an insecurity about yeah. your significant other oh maybe God. about their appearance or maybe about their relationship to their family or to their ex or something in order to wound them because that shit leaves a mark it doesn't go away you remember. I, I, I love you more than anything on this planet and there are moments of from words that we've said with each other that still have a scar Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm over them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But occasionally I'll run my hand on the skin and feel that scar and mm -hmm. it still fucking hurts. Yeah. Yep. Um, and again, that's treating your partner as a hostage. So off limits, my people. Mm -hmm. So how do we alchemize this, this negative energy of name calling and slander? And, um, if you do have something that is on your mind or that is uh, that is bothering you or a story that you're telling yourself and you don't know how to get it out and the only way that it feels like it's just organically wants to just burst out of you in this way of name calling or whatever, you can transmute it, alchemize it into this phrase that I'm about to say. And I, I if you are in a place where you can write this down, in your phone or on whatever, do it because it has saved me and my psyche multiple times. The phrase is coming from love and everything. 
the story I'm telling myself is blank. Is this true? And what this does is it allows you to get your feelings out, which are valid because you're feeling them. If they're, if they're there, they're real for you, even if it's not necessarily a true story for your partner. And by using the word story, it also offers the opportunity or the, um, the possibility that this could be just a story that I've made up in my head because the mind likes to do that sometimes. And then by asking your partner, basically almost like for permission, is this true? you're giving them an opportunity to basically rescue you from this story that you're creating. So I'll give you an example. Could be, you know, if you're in relationship and your partner, you know, still is in communication with their ex to some degree, right? And you both love each other and you notice that this is bubbling under the surface for you, that you really, for whatever reason, don't love that your partner still talks to their ex for whatever reason. You can say in a calm, balanced, loving state, you know, the story that I'm telling myself is maybe, maybe when he brings her up and just, you know, organically nonchalantly, what you can say is the story that I'm telling myself when you bring up Sally (laughs) is that you're not over her. And that there's still some feelings that are that are floating around and that you're there's still a piece of you that is tied to her. And when I am telling myself this story, it makes me feel less confident about our connection and our relationship. And it doesn't I don't feel like overly loved in those situations. And I just wanted to know, is there any part of that that's true? That is a completely different frequency than name calling, shouting, you always do this, you never do this, you're still talking to your effing ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it still allows you the space to share everything that is inside of you, in your head, in your heart, in a really balanced and loving way that your partner is going to be able to respond to. You may not love the answer, whether whether it comes back. It might be like, you know what? Actually, I do still. I love you, but I still, you know, you can't control their answer, but at least it it gets it out in a loving, balanced, healthy way. And that communication, which you're so perfectly articulating, is not about speaking to what you are going to do if they don't X, Y, Z. Like, I'm going to leave you if you don't, or you're a bitch X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's rather what you feel what you experience when they actually yeah do yeah the, the you're keeping it thing. within your experience right which your partner nobody can argue with your experience of what you're feeling that's the thing is like if everyone keeps it within their experience and just shares from the heart as literally as a gift yeah. from love then it just <laughs> it's it's so helpful when you're having any sort of um, you know, maybe charged or hard conversation. Um, so yeah, that's that. The story, the story I'm telling myself is blank. And this is that know, true. This, this showed up in part one for us. I, I would consistently, even in a joking sense, be like, Oh, what are you going to divorce me because of that? You know, like, Oh shit, I forgot to do X, Y, Z. Ugh, you'll probably divorce me joking. Don't bring that en- energy into your life into your relationship even even sarcastically so Mm -hmm. 
Number four. Moving on. This one. You complete me. <laughs> eh, no. <laughs> Negative. Not. Correction. You compliment me. Mm-hmm. Your partner can make you feel better, but they are not responsible for how you feel. Don't outsource your well-being to your significant other. And this is totally, totally against the mainstream, you know, sort of narrative that is in every, uh, you know, Jerry, Mag- Jerry Maguire says it best. You complete me. And I hope we're not too old that people understand that reference. But Tom Cruise still looks the same. So <laughs> I feel like yeah, right. that all works. <laughs> but it's a very, it's a very common line. Mm-hmm. And people use it as with their partner, you know, in, in ways where it's like, I'm not whole without you. Yep. I need you to survive, basically. And it seems like cute. Yeah. But it, it really is a lack of self-love. Right. It's it's a lack of self-love dressed up in romanticism. And so this really does lead to codependency mm-hmm. instead of what we want, which is co-creation through the complementary actions of two complete yeah. people independent of each other. It also gets both people out of victim mentality. When your well-being, when your um, mind or when your attitude is completely dependent on your partner, you are automatically giving away your partner. And it could be a romantic partner. It could be someone at work. It could be a family member. If your state of being is so directly tied to someone else's state of being man, that's a scary place for you to live in because now all of your power is outsourced to all of these other entities, other selves, if you will. And it feels like this place of victimhood where it's like, I can't control my own life. Yeah. So, so how does this look? I think, um, you know, practically operationally in relationship marriages, oftentimes it looks like she does the shopping. She does the groceries. She does the dinner. He does the finances. He does the house project and there's this sort of like leaning in on each other, which can work in a sh- for a short period of time. I think codependency is almost kind of like like a hit of, of sugar to begin with mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, damn, I'm like way more efficient in life because this person's doing all these things that I'm not very good at. Yeah. It almost works in a, in a short window, but it leads to long-term deterioration because mm-hmm. ultimately another person may not show up to the degree that you need them yeah. to. And it could be physically or energetically. And, and so that's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a kind of a practical piece to this, but then there's an energetic piece too. If you count on that person to tell you that you're worthy, that you're, that you're beautiful, there might be a day where they're a little bit out of balance and they're not getting to the point where they're, or, or you've, there's something environmentally in your, in your relationship that's, just not authentically drawing that kind of communication from your partner out of them. So you are left to your own devices to make sure that you feel worthy, mm-hmm. to make sure that you feel beautiful, yeah. that you are enough. And if you're not able to do that independent of somebody else, it will ultimately lead to depression, anxiety, a rift in the relationship, this expectation that somebody else should be mm-hmm. completing you. Yeah. And I think that... <sighs> um 
when you do alchemize this, when you do flip it, which we're going to talk about in just a second, there is this new air of confidence, this really beautiful confidence that, that your partner will be able to see. Um, you know, it is the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite end of the spectrum of this sort of toxic neediness. You know, when someone is a stage five clinger or whatever right. that they say, um, this neediness, this clinginess where it's like, I can't live without you. That is not attractive energy on any level of a relationship, whether you're just starting out dating or whether you've been married for 20 years. That is not attractive on either part. I, I think I think that level of insecurity magnetizes or draws in narcissism. And it seems like it's complementary and it seems like it's co-creation at first because there's such a deficiency and then there's such a, an abundance of sort of mm. this toxic version of the other yeah. that when you fit them together, it mm -hmm. sort of works in the short term until those people even change one yeah. degree and then it's a freaking shit show. Do you mean that say I'm, I'm say I'm the girl and I'm overly toxically needy and codependent on you as the male are you saying that that elicits more of a narcissistic response from the male in this situation or it draws in a narcissistic individual if you're mm, not balanced yeah. in the deficit you're going to bring in somebody who's out of balance almost in uh excess right who's looking for someone that they can fix or and it's and it's not it's not always just insecure girl you know O uber confident obnoxious ego driven man sometimes it's completely um, anti-social reserved man with boss super bossy controlling manipulative um, female mm -hmm. and I, it plays in both roles yeah, totally. and I, I just think that this is a recipe for kind of like tricking the love tricking love and tricking relationship into thinking that codependency is co-creation, but it's just a short-term window of mm -hmm. two incomplete puzzle pieces sort of like fitting together for yeah. a minute. Out of balance for yeah. sure. There's, there's, I have kind of like a bonus topic on this uh, number four here, which is if your significant other is appearing off to a certain degree, don't immediately think that if it, that it's about you. Right. This kind of plays into this whole like codependency um, topic because there are times when, you know, myself, I, I'm exhausted from my environment, whether that be work or exercise or maybe, maybe I'm under the weather. I'm frustrated with something that's completely outside of our relationship. But if you were to show up and think that it was about you and you start drilling in as if it was about you or what did I do wrong? You know, what's going on? It, that's almost like doubling down on, on the frustration of what that person may be experiencing. Mm -hmm. And we've had this conversation in our own relationship. We are not perfect in this by any means. We are still discovering and uncovering um, this sort of, um, I would say, dynamic. Um, because what happens is the person um, thinks that, like, well, it's not all about you. Like, this whole world is not all about you you're, you're not involved in everything okay and so it kind of comes across as like there's a lack of self-confidence and so what what sounds better when your significant other maybe they come home from work and they th you know throw their shit down and just lay down on the couch and they, they clearly are in a mood if you walk up and say what did I, you know what did i do what, what what's wrong like can i did i did i forget something um 
that energy versus, hey, I'm, I'm gonna grab you a glass of ice water. Um, take it easy. I'll grab your bags. I'll I'll drop them in the in the living room and um, take a take a chill pill. I got dinner yeah. ready to go. Um, I love you. Oh, like great great to see you. That's such a different vibe. Hey, Boo Thing. HPV, that is human papillomavirus, can be a really scary thing. If you or someone you love has been diagnosed with HPV, the next two minutes are for you, my girl or guy. Over 14 million Americans are diagnosed every year with some strain of HPV, yet it's still weirdly hush-hush in our society. Even though three out of four sexually active adults will likely come into contact with HPV, there is still a negative stigma associated with it. Countless women have told me that they feel dirty, ashamed, and scared to tell anyone, even their partner. One woman I spoke to was a virgin until she was married, and she still contracted HPV from her spouse. Her story is proof that HPV does not equal gross or shameful. We must let go of this negative, dirty stigma. It's dangerous. It's keeping men and women quiet, not asking questions or searching for safe alternatives to treatment. That's where I came in. I was inspired by the hundreds of women I spoke to who were feeling alone and desperate for help, saying things like, my doctor didn't explain anything to me. I needed to provide a safe place for these women to ask questions, get educated, and find safe alternatives to the cutting, poking, scraping, and other invasive procedures that are common practice with HPV treatment. I needed to provide the space for you to stand back, take a look at your lifestyle, and learn how to stack the deck in your favor for clearing HPV, to have confidence in your body's own innate ability to heal, and to reconnect with your body, which is working so hard for you right now. The safe place I created is my digital course called Clear. This course includes video, audio, and downloadable PDFs. We dive deep into the research-backed, safe, effective supplementation, nutritional guidance, mindset practice, and stress management needed for clearing HPV. It's perfect for the woman wanting to finally be rid of the anxiety that comes with HPV, abnormal pap smears, and cervical dysplasia. It provides a holistic approach because you are not just a cervix or cluster of abnormal cells. You are a whole person. To learn more about Clear and even check out some of the curriculum, go to getmimifit.com slash clear or just check out the show notes for the direct link to the course. And you can use the code medicine for 10% off at checkout. That's M-E-D-I-C-I-N, no E for 10% off. Remember, don't give up. You can heal. All right, back to the pod. Yeah, I would say also... That's such a different vibe. Yeah, completely. And the way that Alison Armstrong gives advice in this is like, if you are seeing your partner out of balance to some degree and you think that it is environmental or situational, um, and maybe you do realize that it's not necessarily directly connected to something that you did, 
instead of assuming what your partner needs, instead of um, just giving it to them or forcing it on them or, or deciding for them what they need in that moment, you can say, this is another one of those key phrases that's beautiful and really um, tees you up well in relationship is, you know, in the same, in the same situation that you just described, dude guy comes home and he is exhausted from work. He's super frustrated and just like silent and distant. She could notice that and, and, you know, very lovingly say like, Hey, you know, it seems like, it seems like you need, um, need some space, need some time to just sort of cool off and, Mm -hmm. and maybe get some alone time by yourself. Is that, is that right? Is that true? Am I, am I on the right track here? And how can I help you? Is there any way that I can help provide this for you? And so it's, it's like, you're not assuming you're, you're showing your partner that you care, that you're observing and you're, you're offering something, but you're not saying here, this is what you need. Take it. You're saying, you know, it seems like this. Am I right? And how can I help if that's, if so, like, how can I help you? Um, and I think that that's a completely uh, different energy as well. It's it's kind of just tacking on to what you just explained. Definitely. Yep. And and so to alchemize this, it really really you know comes down to a reframe, and it comes down to the idea of getting confidence, comfortability with your own wholeness yes. as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this this idea of kind of stepping into and realizing your wholeness. You don't have to become whole. We already are. We already are whole. It's like tearing away and and stripping away the illusion of separateness uh, or rather of incompleteness, I should say. So we're stripping away this illusion and we are realizing our wholeness as a sovereign being who creates our own world and environment, it really does elicit this confidence that is not a, I'm better than you or this or that. It's just a, Hey, I'm me. I love me. And I love you too. Um, and I, I, uh, recently saw a quote from Alex Zek, um, who, by the way, I want to interview soon. Mm, All right. (laughs) Um, but he has some really, really good sayings and, uh, some, just some thoughts and ideas and, I saw this recently actually on Courtney Allison's story and I wanted to speak to it because it goes along with this idea of wholeness. And if, if uh, relationships are made up of individuals who need to realize their wholeness, then this goes right along with it. So he says, your body is a temple for the divine. Divine intelligence created all things and flows through you and exists as you. You are not lacking you are not helpless. You are whole. You do not need, quote, need anything outside of what nature provides. It's just so beautiful. It's like this permission slip that we get to step into that wholeness and we don't have to be reliant and in this constant perpetual victim state within partnership or really any relationship in your life. You know, kind of going back to the way that this shows practically in both you know, like in, in kind of your operational relationship as well as just energetically uh, alchemizing these types of co-dependent uh, environments is up to you, the individual. If it comes down to, man, I don't know if I really know much about my finances and I really rely on my partner. Start asking some questions. Start having a practice for just picking up a few more things about how to be an independent individual. 
if your partner still maintains kind of the majority of that work in your relationship, great. But take a minute and just try to understand it individually, energetically. Have a self-love practice. Have a journaling practice. Have a, have a meditation practice. Those types of things are going to contribute practically to your energetic state to be able to like complete yourself mm-hmm. prior to showing up in a relationship. And it really does. It will take off. <laughs> it's like it lets your partner off the hook. And when they do this, it lets you off the hook. Yeah. I, and this is so contrary to popular mainstream belief in re- in relationship is that I take care of your needs and you take care of my needs. We can certainly um, help each other. Like you said, you can help your partner feel better, but you're not totally dependent and reliant on them taking care of all your needs. That's not going to happen. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Perfect. All right. Number five, last one. Bling won't solve a thing. For very long. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Buying vacations, homes, fancy things like jewelry, looking into holidays, having a reason to celebrate in order to patch issues in the relationship is only symptom mm-hmm. relief. There is no actual root cause treatment. So to be specific, you know, really in our part one of our relationship when we were were married, especially, we oftentimes, you know, even though we weren't, you know, screaming with wealth and buying each other just gifts all the time, we used vacations and, you know, holidays or Christmas gifts as a way to connect to each other, um, which isn't always bad Mm -hmm. in itself and, and isn't always bad in isolation. But we really did become reliant upon those mediums in order to elicit a connection, right. in intimacy, or even just patch some of the issues that we're accumulating without ever addressing them. Yeah, it's like a distraction from. Yeah. Like it's a little bit of a. It's a little bit of a numbing. Let's yeah. just let's get a little tipsy and forget just the fact little, that we're not feeling all that well. Yeah, anesthetic here. Let's yeah. just. Uh, pound this whole bottle of champagne and we'll, we'll, you know, like if you're relying on other things outside of your relationship to connect you is really what we're talking about. So there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with buying gifts for your partner or receiving gifts from your partner. Nothing wrong with that. It's when those things become what you are reliant on for connection, for intimacy, um, and you, you can't basically create those moments with just your two yeah. bodies. I think you see it. it, you see it in society. Sure. But you definitely see it like in movies and TV. And I think everybody's felt this way where, Hey, the, the husband and the wife have very little connection left, but he buys her a shit ton of jewelry or yeah, a new car, a new car, yeah, new car, new house, uh, whatever. Everybody has seen that archetype play out. And it just really won't solve anything. Mm-mm. It is a short-term fix, and it requires more and more and more. Yep. Um, and I, th- I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. I don't. I don't know if there's. Um, I don't know if there needs much more explanation. I think everybody's pretty familiar with this, this idea, but it's a great reminder. Mm-hmm. Like, do the hard things, the little things, often, early, and consistently. Mm-hmm. So the way that we alchemize this. We, we kind of like this one. It's, it's definitely fun for us. Uh, we call it creating magic bubbles. <laughs> I, I love it. I'll explain this one. So um, <clears throat> this is something that's certainly uh, 
has become more frequent in part two. But we did have these many of these moments when we were dating, mm-hmm. not so much when we were married because we were so out of balance. Was built on magic bubbles. magic bubbles, honestly. Yeah, and what this looked what this uh, looked like was when we were dating. You know, we got together when we were 16, 17 years old. We would be so focused on each other in these moments, whether it was, you know, on the dock at Priest Lake, laying on a blanket, looking at the stars. Like we are creating this bubble. Nothing really outside of this exists. Or we would be in a park um, under a blanket, like probably making out or something. (laughs) Um, You know, we're creating a little bubble. Or we would be in the back of your truck, like watching the clouds pass and just talking and listening to music. We are creating this sort of frequency, this channel that only you and I exist on. And we're we're choosing to put ourselves in these situations where we are feeling the magic of the moment. It allows you or really not even allow, it almost like pushes you into being completely present with your partner. It, it is bringing nothing outside of yourselves yeah. into the relationship to use as kind of a medium in order mm-hmm. to spark intimacy. Right. All I need is your eyeballs. It is. <laughs> we were, we would tickle each other's back we would (laughs) rub each other's feet like really simple stuff just you and i it could have been in the sahara desert it could have been at disneyland or you know tropical it doesn't matter where the location Mm -hmm. we were able to kind of create this little yeah dome of magic Mm -hmm. that was just fun so in this i challenge uh you know people in relationship listening get creative Uh um it can be like really as simple as like Moving your dinner table to a new spot for just one night, mm-hmm. change the setting a little bit, mm-hmm. stare into each other's eyes, and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Just invest energetically into the one-on-one moment as if there is nothing else around you mm-hmm. to see what comes up. Or in the, mo- in the example of dinner, maybe you guys are used to having your phones at the dinner table and kind of checking things periodically or whatever, whatever choose to leave them off and that that seems like such a simple thing but uh i think it's a very real example um for us recently we created last weekend we had just a beautifully like wonderful connection over the weekend and this is not to toot our own horns it's just to show you that like we are trying to and wanting to create more of these magic bubbles in our life and they can be really really simple so this last weekend we went to the beach and we laid out a blanket and we turned towards each other and weren't focused on anyone else at the beach. We were just in conversation. We each had an airbud or whatever AirPod in our ear and we were listening to music together, talking, kissing, playing around, and we created this bubble, right? Um, and then, you know, when we came back home, we were just connecting and we were talking and I got this urge to like, I just want to like climb on top of him. And it wasn't even anything sexual. It was very, very like non-sexual. It was just Mm -hmm. like, I just want to feel him. And so I just climbed on top of your lap and we just like hugged and embraced for like, I don't even know how long it was, but we were listening to music and just like we, I, I felt it in the moment and I shifted and wanted to create another bubble. And I realized that, you know, we don't have kids. Um, (laughs) <laughs> we don't have roommates. I, I realize that there are complexities um, that can arise for people that are things to think about. But whatever your situation is, just become more aware of the fact that like, hey, I want to create a bubble. And then your brain will go to work for you and look for those moments um, if you tell your brain that it's important to you. Definitely. 
Yeah. Mm. Love it. Magic bubbles. Magic bubbles. You don't have to book in advance. <laughs> no. You don't have to be on a tropical island. No. And it doesn't have to be planned. It can be in the moment. Just yeah. spur the moment where you see an in, you see an opportunity and you go for it. And I think that this is, you know, going to be like a sticker, a peg, a, yeah. a, a pin, if you will, like hashtag, hashtag magic bubble, like yeah. create, you know, moments for you to stare into your partner's eyes for five long seconds and say something like, you're so good to me if you guys are doing this with your significant other or if you try this out and have a breakthrough let us know we're yeah. super super invested mm-hmm. in everybody listening's relationship health yep fired up about it right and with that we would love to we promised we would share the details yeah, for our go. gold giveaway so if you've made it this far through the episode congrats to you um so we are going to be uh doing a gold giveaway so uh to enter just take a screenshot and share this episode to your story make sure you tag us at Mimi underscore the medicine and at the chasen one so that we can actually see and enter you into the giveaway. Tag us and let your homies know like what was one takeaway? What was one big thing that landed for you that maybe you're going to practice or maybe you're going to try or maybe you're single, but you want to keep it in mind for when you you do get into relationship, whatever it is for you. Um, we want to we wanna hear from you and then we will enter you into a drawing. It'll be a week, you know, whenever this, this episode comes out a week from that Monday, we will do the drawing for the gold and it'll be all over on my Instagram too. But, um, that is how you can enter, uh, to win a gold sent personally from us. Come on. Relationship gold, if you will. (laughs) Yes. Hey, yeah, that works. My love wrapping this thing up. What is your medicine? today mm. i'm gonna say <clears throat> this right here and i don't know if I've, i i may have used this before in the past but um i consider this under the red hat uh recordings especially when we talk about relationship it's a different type of frequency sometimes but just in general um recording with you is a sort of magic bubble that I feel and we it literally is like a channel a frequency and um, there's like a part of my brain a part of my soul that turns on and I'm locked into your eyes and what you're saying and um, you know feeding off of each other and I would say that this magic bubble (laughs) magic bubble that is the medicine under the red hat is my medicine today it's such good medicine it changes my entire vibration yep it is a vibration that has existed throughout the entire course of time. Mm-hmm. And it is ancient, and but also novel and beautiful mm-hmm. and always welcome in my life. And I hope we continue to lean into that superpower of creating these little under yeah. the red hat bubbles in our life because, fuck, they're so, so incredible. It's like an hour long hug. It <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about you, my love? What is the medicine for your beautiful soul today? Medicine for my beautiful soul today (laughs) is actually spending a little time in meditation, um, a very specific meditation um, as we travel north to the panhandle of Idaho, the beautiful sliver of heaven on this three-dimensional rock. Come on. Priest Lake, Idaho. Um, I'm going to be meditating on 
showing up as the best version of myself uh, and embodying love. Mm-hmm. Not preaching it, um, not forgetting it. And being, You mean like being when we're around asshole. our family? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the purpose of being around friends, family, and conditionings from my upbringing that sometimes are prone to like having me slip back into um, just like younger versions, lesser versions of myself that are just groomed into my brain, uh, whether that be the middle child or whether that be um, just just conditioning that I'd had when I was you know younger. I think everybody can relate to the fact that sometimes when you get around family, family as much as you love them, there's this you know sort of groomed run that can slip you back into previous versions of yourself. So uh, what's been really helpful for me the last few years is I usually take the plane ride or at least a specific moment on my day of travel to meditate on embodying and showing up as the best version of myself. And even when I know that there are things that I'm doing in my independent life that are like breakthroughs and I would love to be able to share them with my family and friends from back home um, because I think it could change their life too, that those types of efforts usually fall pretty flat and come across as preachy. Um, and the best version of not only just contributing to my own well-being, but really contributing to just the collective mm-hmm. love of all human beings and all life is for me just to practice what I preach. Be the change you wish to see in the world and embody love. And yeah. so that uh, will be my meditation today and my intention walking into the next month of being uh, up in Idaho. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's it sets the sets the stage beautifully for us to embody love together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's like when we come together in that way and we're both on the same, you know, frequency, uh we're both in alignment in that, then what the organism that is created is like more than the sum of its parts or yeah. whatever where we we are amplified and then um sort of seen as a unit as an organism that it's you know, it's undeniable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so man. So good. Guys, let us know what you think about the episode. Yeah. Um, we're trying to grow this thing. We're trying to keep this thing going. We're having a ton of fun. I hope it's valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, it's valuable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We are so grateful to you for listening and um, sharing this under the red hat frequency and energy. We love having you. And uh, if this landed with you, again, share it to your story, tag us, um, send it to someone that you know and love. And, you know, I would say if you haven't, if, if you love the medicine and you haven't left a review for us on iTunes, um, maybe think about doing that. We love to hear your uh, reviews and your reactions and, and what you think of us and the medicine and everything like that. We love reading those. So, um, Go into your day and spread some love, spread some light, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore The Medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit GetMimiFit.com forward slash The Medicine Cabinet, or just check the show notes below. Until next time, cheers, boo.